We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Good morning, Bride. Good morning. I am so excited to be with you today. Uh, to do get back on our Bible studies and uh, today let me think let me go back and look good morning good morning as you're signing on good morning as I'm all cozy in my little cabin praise you Lord you're worthy to be praised Lord Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. How is everybody doing this morning? Good morning. I am going to, in the future, my Bible studies will be at a different time. I think it's going to be in the afternoon. Okay? So, uh... This morning, I'm going to explain what's going on in my life, and then we will talk about the different times that we'll be doing these Bible studies. Let's see. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Heal me, Jesus. All right, let me go to 2 Chronicles. Okay, 2 Chronicles was the last book we finished. Let me go ahead and get it set up as everybody is signing in. I hope y'all saw the pretty bluebirds. I took pictures of the bluebirds. And, uh... Put them out there because they are beautiful up here. 
And, you know, I've always been transparent with you, Brad. And uh, so I was praying about, do I tell y'all? Uh, I know I can't tell you the location of where I'm at, but I want to explain to you kind of the story of what I'm doing here. Okay. Six months ago, the Lord told me uh, that my time in Washington, D.C. was about over. So he was telling me, I'm going to be leaving sooner than I think, because I was planning on being there two to five years. And so I was like, okay. And so he gave the scenario of what it will look like when that time comes. Now, Bride, listen. The Lord, with me, uh, he warns me and prepares me of things to come, and he shows me what it looks like. Like, remember I told you about him promising me a radio station in Nashville. So he told me, he said, I want you to get up, and this is right before I left to kick off the television, uh, but this was back in 2015 when I was traveling the country to kick off the television part of my ministry. And the Lord said, I want you to go pray over this radio station, and I want you to claim it for the bride. And so I was like, I, I didn't put the two and two together that God was literally giving me a radio station. But I gathered the team together. We went over uh, to try to find this radio station in Nashville. It was nowhere to be found because I knew the scenario that God had given me of where it's at. He didn't say, it's right here at this location here. He just showed me what it looked like. It's a white building. It's got towers. Uh, it's got a satellite dish. It's got a tree behind it, blah, blah, blah. So... When I called my brother and I said, do you know of a radio station on the outskirts of Nashville? And so he told me, I'm like, it just instantly just clicked in my spirit. This is the one. So I drove over there and when I pulled into the driveway with the team, the Holy Ghost come in the car. I cannot explain this except the uh, confirmation of the Lord. Uh, he come in the car and just filled us with this joy like this is it. This is the bride's last day's radio station. And so we pulled in there and started praying in tongues. We got out. It was, a you know, just a little bit of misting. And we walked around. I was praying in tongues. And I looked over, and the guy that was with us said, Look at that tree. That's the tree from your dream. Well, the Lord had given me another dream of me being before television cameras. And I needed a break from the camera, so I went outside of this building, and I went out back where there was a where there was a tree, and I went back there and worshipped the Lord in front of this tree, like just worshiping the Lord, you know, like my book, Organic Christianity. I was worshiping the Lord in the wide open, which I love to do, and I was just praising the Lord in front of this tree, and so He's like, "There's your tree." And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to worship the Lord one day under that tree. <laughs> so I turned around and I was praying in tongues. And this location is perfect, Brian, because it's right next to an interstate, right next to an intersection on a main highway. I went into an open vision and I saw cars lined up and down the highway. I saw a, a, a tent, like the biggest tent they make. There was television cameras under the tent. There was radio under the tent. There was a revival. There was cars parked everywhere, like Woodstock, all up and down the highway. 
People were just praising and shouting under that tent. I was jumping up and down. I feel God all over me right now. I was jumping up and down, and I was like, you want revival on this land. You want the bride to have revival. All right, so I come out of the vision, and I shared it with the team. I'm like, God is going to have revival on this land. That This is why he wants it for the bride. So we all come in agreement, we prayed, and we left. Well, I head out on the tour. I drive through Louisiana. I drive down to Texas, and this prophet calls me in Texas. I'm just telling you this story, bride, so you know how God works with me. I, I got down in Texas, and this prophet called and said, The Lord told me he's giving you a building. I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, the Lord told me to give you a book by Smith Wigglesworth. You have to come to my revival tonight. And I had to drive two hours, bride. You know God calls, we go. So I went to the revival, and she called me up front in front of everyone and said that God had promised me this media ministry and that I was a woman by faith traveling the country, and God told her he's going to give me this building, and that she gave me this book. And it was called, what was it, Holy Spirit? Um, Everlasting Faith. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Thank you. Uh, it was called Everlasting Faith. And in the book was Smith Wigglesworth's sermons. So it's got like Smith Wigglesworth's DNA in the book. Smith Wigglesworth's great-granddaughter had signed the book. And this woman called me up there. This is Dr. Judy Laird. And she said, The Lord told me to tell you that he has given you this building that he showed you, and you are to take this book, and you are to take this book and go back to that land, bury that book on the land, and proclaim it for the bride for revival. And so I was crying and everything. I traveled across the country. I had the bride, the church, sign this book from Texas all the way to Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, all the way to Tennessee, Michigan, all the way when I traveled. The bride, I had people, listen, cry because they got to be a part of a new media that God was building. And they were crying about this revival coming, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so when my tour ended, I was back in Nashville. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I am going to go bury the book when you tell me to and not any time sooner. So you let me know when you want me to bury it. I knew this book, Bride. I knew this book was like a golden scepter, you know, before God's eyes. Like this book was given to me by God Almighty, you know. And so it had God's people's signature coming in agreement with this radio station that God's going to give the bride and this media that God has given the bride. So I guess it was about five days later, and the Lord said, now's the time. It was a freezing cold day. I tried to secure that book the best I could with no money, and I took what little money I had. I think it was like 10 or $15. I went to Walmart and I bought this container that was sealed. First, I think I wrapped it in plastic. Then I put it in this sealed container. 
and then I put it in another container. You know, I mean, I did everything I could to try to seal this book. So I took a shovel. I went to the location by myself, so nobody knows where I buried this book. I went to the location. I was praying in the spirit, and I saw this tree. So I walked over there. I was, you know, shoveling, and I just couldn't shovel anymore. The ground was too hard, and I just told the Lord. I was like, Lord, you know I'm a woman. I don't have much strength. This is as far as I can take it. You're going to have to take it from here. So I said, I'm putting this book in your hands, Lord. You're the one that gave me this book. So I am burying it, putting the dirt on it, and asking you to put two angels to encamp about this book and guard this book. Because in the future, the Lord has showed me a big tower building with WATB Ministries. Inside this building will have radio, television, book publishing, whatnot. Basically, the communications of the bride. So... When that time comes, when the vision comes to pass, come on now. I feel, <laughs> I'm about ready to preach. I feel the fire of God. It's probably because I'm getting some rest, you know. But uh, when the time comes, we are doing such a formal ceremony. It's going to be a bridal proportions. Come on now, in Jesus' name. We are going to resurrect that book, and we are going to do a live broadcast. And we are going to do a ribbon-cutting ceremony. And that book that was given many years ago, come on now. This book is going to be put in a glass case in this building for the world to see. Whew. Yes, Lord, the promises of God are yes and amen. Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm ready to shout. But we're going to put that book inside that glass container. And we're going to say the promise has been fulfilled. You know... The craziness of our walk with God, the obedience is better than sacrifice life, where you follow God to the ends of the earth when he tells you to do the most ridiculous, craziest things that people don't understand. Come on now. I have many, many stories, which by the way is going to be in my book called From the Pit to the Palace, where I share these crazy journeys of faith, traveling across the country with peanut butter and jelly, staying in my car, not knowing where to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So that is what brought me here, and this is what I want to share with you today. Okay, so six months ago, the Lord speaks to me and says, your time is about up in Washington. When you get finished there, it's going to look like this. You're going to go to a cabin. It's going to be way out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody will even guess where you're at. It's so crazy. And uh, you will write for the winter type of deal. Okay, so time rolls on. I go to visit my children in Tennessee. I had five prophets confirmed to me. The Lord says your time in Washington is about finished. When you go back, which I knew, bride, when I went back that I was going to the UN, okay? I knew I was definitely going into, here's what I call the, when I first went to Washington, I went to the U.S. Capitol, which was the belly of the beast, the perversion of the beast. Then God, I finished the test there. I did everything God asked me to do, all the prayers, all the crazy things he asked me to do. 
Then he put me into the mouth of the beast, which is the White House. Think about that, what I just said, the mouth of the beast, which is the media. The media's mouth, the propaganda they push out there, okay? God put me in there, had me do all these crazy prayers, had me do all these crazy, you know, he'd give me dreams, Brian, where he would tell me, get up, go there, walk around here, do this, do this, pray for the president, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I do all that, right? Then he says, um, go to the UN. I was like, what? You're going to have to give me money, Lord. The UN is so expensive. Okay, so the Lord gives me the money to go to the UN. I go to the UN is the brain of the beast. Come on now. The UN, think about what I just said. The UN is the brain of the beast. The UN is the one world brain. It is the organization that is organizing the world. They're organizing this worldwide plot to infiltrate every country with LGBT. I'm just giving you some wisdom that's going to be in my books, okay? It is infiltrating the entire planet with LGBT. Why? Because they want to do away with you. They want to do away with the Bible. They want to do away with fundamentalist Christians. Why do you think they're pushing Kanye right now? Why do you think they're pushing Justin Bieber and all these popular people that have millions of people where they have perverted the gospel? You have Justin Bieber on Instagram in his transgender clothing and with lipstick. But yet the world celebrates him. Oh, he got saved. So this is this new age Jesus look. Same way with Kanye, new age, new age Jesus. We don't care about doctrine. Come on, people. We don't care about all that. We don't care about the Mormon doctrine. We don't care about the Catholic doctrine. Uh, we don't care about all this. And I just want to be a billionaire, and I want to be claimed as the biggest billionaire there ever was. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's a new age Jesus. So when you have the mainstream media partnering with this agenda, you have the UN behind this agenda. Let me tell you, they want to infiltrate everything saying that this religion that's here, not coming, that's here, this one world religion, we want everybody to come together in unity. We want to be one together and just drop all doctrine and just say the name of Jesus and we will all be okay. Well, I don't care what you do, whether it's pedophile or whatever. Just come on in and we'll just all be one. And we just won't tell you that there's sin. We won't tell you that there's consequences to sin. We won't tell you the very reason that will send you to hell. Okay, so anyways, get me off my preaching thing. Okay, so the Lord told me when you go back, that's going to be it. You're going to go to the UN. I'm going to have showed you all that I want to show you. And then you're out of there. But just know, and this is what God told me through those prophets. He said, just know that when you go back, you are going to be persecuted so great. God warned me up front. Your persecution and a lot of people is going to leave you. So I go back to Washington and I knew this was it. And I knew that the persecution would be ramped up. So... I began praying, all right, Lord, well, where am I going to go? How are you going to do this? This is what I was telling the Lord. 
I was like, how are you going to do this? Everybody's left me just about. Uh, I'm here. I don't have the money to leave. I would have to have all these thousands of dollars just to get all my furniture out here, you know, because I'm thinking, this is my mother. You know, this is my mother's inheritance. You know, this furniture, and I want to take it with me. I want to keep it safe and whatnot. So, the months roll around. I go to the UN. I do my job. I went places I didn't want to go, seen things I didn't want to see. Ugh. You know, I hope I never have to see that again. Lord, please do not move me to New York City. I'm, I'm asking the Lord, please. Anyways, so I finished that mission. And then it, I guess it was about a month later, I received a phone call, and there it was. And the phone call was this. She was like, uh, my, she said, my mother is dying. She is in her 90s. And I want you to pray with me that God would send someone because she's still married to my dad, which was, uh, they've been married 71 years. Can you believe that, bride? 71 years. She said she wants to die in the husband, in the dad's arms. And so we don't want to put her in a nursing home. And so we will do what it takes to get you here. And I was like, what? And I said, uh, let me pray about this because I said, it may be me. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, because I told her. The Lord has already told me I'm leaving soon, and he told me the scenario. I said, he said that he's going to put me in this cabin. She goes, that's what it is. I said, and she and he said that he's going to put me way out where nobody would know where I am. She goes, that's this. I was like, what? I mean, everything God had showed me was this. And I said, let me, I was like, oh my gosh, because the Lord told me when the time comes, you're going to be out of there really fast. And this is what the Lord told me. Don't question it. Just go. When it comes time, God's going to protect me from whatever's coming. I'm just telling you right now. And so uh, I said, okay, Lord. And plus, I know that when I was doing the mega revival march, that God had me warn the president one last time to say in there, sir, when I first came here, the Lord had me do a speech and warn you and all the Republicans that if you partner with the LGBT movement, judgment is going to hit this nation. This was last year, a year ago. Six months later, they do it. Six months later, God gives, has me give one last morning, warning, and then he moves me out. So it is what it is. Whatever happens, I'm just telling you all my story. So I prayed about it that night. I went to bed and I woke up with a huge, yes, this is it. All right, so I called the woman back and I said, I'm hearing a, a yes, so let's do this. So it all worked out. That's why those last two weeks, Bride, I was so quiet. And I mean, I would try to tell you things that I saw and whatnot, but uh, many of you is like, why is she so quiet? Why is she not in the White House? That was why I was having to pack. And so um, I got everything packed. And I'm going to tell you, Bride, I worked hard because uh, I had to do all of it myself. So I got everything packed. And then my friend came up. And look what God did. This is amazing. My friend come up. She's been praying and asking God for things. 
she this is gonna sound weird but she fell down at the airport but it allowed her to be alone with God in another state to listen to him to get out of her world and out of her situation to just be alone with God and listen so when she come out of the hospital her family come up and I've been praying God how am I going to get I cannot lift all this stuff God sent her family up there plus I had to get a moving company but they helped me wrap all my furniture because uh, you know we wrapped it all really nice in the plastic and everything to be able to protect I have really nice furniture now and so we got it all wrapped and got everything packed so nicely got everything labeled which I had all that done but they helped me wrap my furniture and tear my beds down and so uh, when the moving company came the next morning uh, because let me tell you this I owed Three, I had three months left on my lease, okay? And so, when they came, because they came, I was able to move out the day before November. This is how God does. He's so amazing. I had already paid November's rent, and they have a two-month penalty. So, I had already paid the November's rent, and because I moved out in November, they took that as the first penalty. So, now all I owe is one more, and then I'm off the last one. So, God worked all that out, and so we got everything loaded in the U-Haul, and then her son drove the U-Haul back for me. And then I just had, I mean, God just worked it all out. Then, when I got back to Tennessee, and by the way, the Lord gave me a dream, and he said, it was the night before they came to help me. And the Lord told me in the dream, he said, do not tell the bride. Do not tell anyone, which he had already told me this, in Washington until you're out of here and until you get your stuff safely in storage. So that's why I told y'all I've got a ministry announcement on that Sunday. We got everything in the storage, beautiful storage, uh, with all my stuff together in one place. And everything is packed very nice. My children came and helped me unpack the U-Haul. So needless to say, that is the story. And so my children are so blessed that now Mama is moving back home. I have my stuff there with them. And that they know that when I finish this assignment, which God has given me for the winter, that I will then be back home and praying that God will give me a house. That's what I'm praying. The Lord has promised me one, and I'm praying that when I move back to Tennessee, I get a house where I can at least just have my furniture, and then I can travel and go from there, which already I have uh, international invitations. So I'm praying, Lord, is it time for me to go to the nations? Because I already know uh, he sent me to Washington to do my job, and I did. So where, what do I go to the nations after I finish this? We'll see. But the point is, okay, so I said bye to my kids. I warned them about things that are coming. I told them the truth about the propaganda. Okay, so I left my kids safely, and I told them, whatever happens, just know God is going to take care of me. Don't, don't worry about me. I know this now. I worry about y'all. Make sure all the family's right with God. Make sure you have everything stored up and you got what you need for what's coming. Okay, so then I left, and I come up here on my three-day journey. And I was praying and really appreciated my cousin Brenda. She uh, stayed on the phone with me a lot and it was really great. So I get up here, I met the family, 
bride. Oh my goodness. In this family, uh, it's on a horse ranch, just like I told you. And I showed you pictures of the outside. I can't show you the inside too much because I want to protect their privacy. Uh, we may later on, you know. Uh, but I have the whole basement. It's like an apartment. This is where I'm at. This is my little cabin. And I have this whole basement that has a, a bedroom. with a, They got me a little new mattress. I have my own bathroom and my own little kitchen area. And then uh, the mother is uh, 91. She'll be 92, I think, in December. And uh, she is a very good Christian woman. And it is so beautiful watching her because she sings to the Lord. She talks to the Lord. And I'm sitting here looking at her and I'm like, wow. Like, Lord, please. When I, Because I love elderly people. You know, I did... I've done the uh, nursing home ministry for many years, so I'm all about the elderly. But I was looking at her and I was thinking, Lord, when my time comes, if you don't come before then, please, Lord, let me be like her. Let me just lay there singing. Let me lay there. Help me, Lord. I love you, Lord. And she'll just sing to him. And then the husband sits there and holds her hand. It is the most beautiful love story bride and I wasn't I wasn't going to tell you because uh, I wanted to keep the privacy of the family but the Lord gave me a dream uh, let's see last night and the Lord talked to me and he said this woman that you're with is a queen in my eyes she is so precious to me this is what the Lord told me he said, she is so beautiful to me, and I want you to treat her like you would want to be treated. And I know that God is watching me, and he's here with me. And I said, yes, Lord, I will. And so I feel the release to tell you the story, but not where it's at or who it is for right now. So I want you to know that, God, I am with people I know by the way, because I know the daughter. She has been to my house many times in Washington. So I know the family. I just didn't know the parents. So I am here with people. I'm not here with a man. Some have speculated, oh, she's in a cabin with some man shacking up. No, I don't do that kind of stuff. I've been single almost 19 years, people. <laughs> so... When that time comes, I will be very open and transparent about it. I will not be sneaky. But anyway, uh, and so now you know why I had to hide a little bit of the information because I had to get here and get to know them a little bit and talk to them and kind of feel this out. Okay, so the father is such an amazing man. He has written a book that I will publish for him about his life story. And yesterday I was sitting there reading his book and I was like, wow, wow. You know, like the man, he's, I think he's fixing to turn 91. And he, I talked to him yesterday. He was born in the Great Depression. And he has such amazing stories. Like he said that being up here in the north, I won't tell you what state, but being up here in the north, they would have such bad winters that the grandpa would put them on a sled 
<laughs> this is funny because they had one little house church, one little bitty building. And they had 12 students from kindergarten all the way to high school was all in the same room. They would ride on sleds to the church or to the school and leave them for the winter. I mean, for the week. And then the father would come back and pick them. The grandfather would come back and pick them up on Friday, take them home for the weekend and sled them back in on Monday. Can you believe it? And then the teacher would have to keep the fire going and feed these kids and take care of them for five days during those snowstorms. But his book is going to be very interesting because his book uh, kind of takes us back in time with our country and lets us hear about things that happened up here in the north. And he has lived in this same state, in the same city, his entire life. Isn't that amazing? So it's kind of beautiful the way God does things. Because he needs a book to be published. I can publish it. He needs a book that needs to be ready before he leaves for his family. See how, I'm just showing you how God coordinates everything. The daughter needed help with the family. Okay, so I knew that God wanted me to leave my Washington assignment, go away to this cabin and write my books for the winter. See how everything come together. And so that's what it is. Now you know the whole story. So now when I go live with you, Bride, I can share little bitty stories uh, without revealing the family. And I did talk to the family and get permission to just reveal this much. So, I wanted you to know the whole story. And so now you know what I'm doing. Okay, so let's get on with our Bible study. Let's turn to the book of Ezra. Alright, here we go. Now what we do, Bride, on these Bam In Your Face Devil Bible studies is we do five books a day. The only day I will not do it is Sunday because guess what, bride? I am trying an Assembly of God church here tomorrow. So I will be leaving and going to the church and then come back. All right, so here we go. Ezra chapter 1. Now, y'all know I do the King James Version only. All right, here we go. Ezra chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? Has God, his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel? He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver, with gold, and with goods, and with beasts, beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priest 
and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised. Let me pause right there. Now remember, bride, when we studied the word before, and let me just say this real quick. When I studied, I am so thankful that I did this bam in your face devil Bible studies all the way from Genesis to here because we went into in-depth talks and in-depth study about the temple when God did the tabernacle in the temple. We learned so much about the judgments of God and God's heart and that's why I say the things the way I do because I know God's heart about sin. If you study the Old Testament, you understand God and you understand him and his personality and his heart. That's why I said these ministries that have taken sin out is doing nothing but sending these people to hell because sin is the very thing that's going to take you to hell. It's going to hurt you. So the Levites, though, out of all the 12 tribes of Israel, remember that the Levites were the ones that were in charge of the temple. They were the ones set apart. That was their inheritance. Remember, they didn't get the big inheritance. The temple, the people of God was their inheritance. Okay. With all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them straightened, strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things, beside all that was willingly offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus king of Persia bring forth by the hand of Mithridath the treasurer, and numbered them unto Shishbazar, the prince of Judah. And this is the number of them, thirty charges of gold, chargers of gold, a thousand chargers of silver, nine and twenty knives, thirty basins of gold, silver basins of a second sort, four hundred and ten, and other vessels a thousand. All the vessels of gold and of silver were five thousand and four hundred. All these did Sheshbazar bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon into Jerusalem. So let me just point out a few things. Now, we know a lot of us have compared President Trump to King Cyrus. Now, there are books out there that God brought uh, President Trump to build the third temple, to be a part of building the third temple. So by him opening it up to Jerusalem, you know, opening it up for the capital and declaring that it's the capital. We see the steps coming forward. Now, there are many people, especially from the Orthodox Jews, uh, that are already putting the pieces together for the temple. Now, remember that in September, they've already done a sacrifice uh, where they sacrificed an animal getting ready for the temple. Uh, this was the Orthodox Jews again. Remember, I've been uh, warning you about the Orthodox Jews because of the Noahide law, so you need to look into that, Brad. Okay, chapter 2. Now, these are the children of the province that went up out of captivity, of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one into his city 
which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mitzpah, Bigvay, Rehum, Bana, I'm probably saying half of these wrong, <laughs> so bear with me. The number of the men of the people of Israel, the children of Parash, 2,172. The children of Shepatah, 372. The children of Era, 775. Now remember, Bride, when we studied the word before, I made sure that I pointed out to you that whenever we see the recorders, the people that wrote the Bible, when they give you all of this, which a lot of us used to think that this was trivial information, why do we need to know how many thousands of... We need to know the generations and the names. You got to look at it like this. They were scribes, okay? If you look at all these people that wrote the books in the Bible as media back in their day, I consider myself a scribe. I mean, look at how God uses my life. Media, radio, television, book publishing. He has me do things and document the moves of God. Document God. That's what the Bible is. So this is an official record of the truth, an official record of who, what, when, where, and how. So we don't skip over names. We don't skip over numbers because we are speaking it into the atmosphere, coming in agreement with heaven that this is the truth, okay? So don't get bored by it. Pay attention to it, amen? Okay, so the children of Era, 775. The children of Pahathamod, Moab, of the children of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. Why, well, that's a lot of children, isn't it, Brad? The children of Elam, 1,254. The children of Boagos are all these. Okay, the children of Zatu, 945. The children of Zechariah, 703 score. The children of Bani, 642. The children of Bebai, 623. The children of Asgad, 1,222. The children of Adonikam, 666. Wow! Now I'm going to circle that. 666. This may mean something later on. Let me put a note beside it in my Bible. 666. Okay. The children of Bigvay, 2,056. The children of Aden, 444, 54. The children of Ator, of Hezekiah, 98, 90 and 8. The children of Bezai, 323. The children of Jorah, 112. The children of Hashem, 223. The children of Gibar, 95. The children of Bethlehem, 123. The men of Nipota, 50 and 6. The men of Anothoth, 128. The children of Asmaveth, 42. The children of Kerjarim, Shepharah, and Beroth, 743. The children of Ramoth and Gabba, 621. The men of Michmas, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 223. 
the children of Nebo, 52, the children of Magbish, 156, the children of the other Elam, a 2,254. The children of Haram, 320. The children of Lot, Hadid, and Ono. Ha! Isn't that a name funny? Oh no, that is hilarious. The name of Oh no! 725. The children of Jericho, 345. The children of Sinai, 3,630. The priest, the children of Jedidiah, the house of Jeshua, 973. The children of Emer, 1,052. The children of Pashur, 1,247. The children of Harim, 1,017. The Levites, the children of Jeshua and Kadmiel, of the children of Hadaviah, 74. The singers, the children of Asaph, 128. The children of the porters, the children of Shalom, the children of Adder, the children of Telmon, the children of Acab, the children of Hatta, the children of Sheboah, in all 139. The Nethanims, the children of Zehah, the children of Hasephah, the children of Taboeth, the children of Kiros, the children of Sayah, the children of Paden, the children of Lebanon, the children of Hagabah, the children of Acab, the children of Hagab, the children of Shalmai, the children of Hanan, the children of Gideel, the children of Gehar, the children of Rai, the children of Rezin. How would y'all like to have your name in here? Would this not be amazing? Okay, the children of Rahab, where was I at? Okay, the children of Rezin, the children of Nakoda, we're in verse 48. The children of Gazam, Shazam, <laughs> that is funny. The children of Uzzah, the children of Pesiah, the children of Besiah, the children of Asna, the children of Mahunim, the children of Nephusim, the children of Bake Buck, the children of Hakopa, the children of Heru, the children of Besluth, the children of Maheda, the children of Harsha, the children of Barcos, the children of Sisera, the children of Thama. All right, this is a long old chapter, isn't it? The children of Nezia, the children of Hatipa, the children of Solomon's servants, the children of Sotai, the children of Sophereth, the children of Peruda, the children of Jalah, the children of Darkin, the children of Gideel, the children of Shephetia, the children of Hatil, the children of Pachereth, of Zebedium, the children of Amath, all the Nethanims, and the children of the Solomon's servants were 392. All these, they which went up from Telmelah, Telharsa, Cherith, Aden, and Emer, but they could not show their father's house and their seed, whether they were of Israel. So the children of Deliah, 
and the children of Tobiah, the children of Nakoda, 652. And the children of the priests, the children of Habada, the children of Kaz, the children of Barzilea, who took a wife of the daughters of Barzil, Barzilea, and Gileadite, and was called after their name. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they as polluted, uh-oh, come on, put from the priesthood. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Can we say God hates pollution? I put in my notes, God removed the pollution while building and cleansing the church. Wow, that'll preach right there. Come on now. God hates mixing. I know I keep saying that, but you learn this in the Old Testament. God hates mixing. He wants his people pure. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Do not be universalist like this New Age Jesus that says everything is tolerated. No. God is not like that. Here we go. And the Tershatha said unto them, that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and with Thummim. The whole congregation together was 42,303 score, beside their servants and their maids, of whom there were 7,337, and there were among them 200 singing men and singing women. Their horses were 736, isn't that funny they mentioned their horses? Their mules, 245. Their camels, 435. Their asses, 6,720. And some of the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to, sit it up, to set it up in his place. They gave after their ability unto the treasure of the work three score and one thousand grams of gold and five thousand pounds of silver and one hundred priest garments. So the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. All right, we're on chapter three. I want to tell you a funny story talking about horses. Okay, now this man that lives here, he was a horse uh, racer. Wait a minute. Well, he's, he did race horses, but he also trained horses and all this. So he had a horse farm here. And in his book, he tells the funniest story. Uh, they had a truck where they was carrying a bunch of horses. And he said that the horses were very funny about the way that they are in those trailers. You can only take so many and they only last so long in there because they get tired of standing with all that shaking so they'll fall over. So if they lay down, you have to get them back up within three hours or they will die. Can you believe that in the back of those trucks? So he said one day they pulled up to this, uh, it was a beautiful sunny day and they pulled up to this red light and uh, there was all kinds of horse manure back there. So the horses were feeling anxious and there was cars beside them with the, uh, they were convertible, so they had their tops down. Them horses were very anxious and they was, they was kicking their manure over in these cars with 
the cars with their tops down. And it, I was laughing so hard. And he said that uh, you could see them raising their roofs on their car next to this big old horse trailer. But it was funny. And he, he even put in his book, he said, uh, those were the days when people were a lot nicer than they are today. I was like, he said, like, today you get shot for something like that, you know. But anyways, his book has some amazing stories. Okay, so let's go on to chapter 3. We're in Ezra chapter 3. And when the seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. They got polluted ones out, come on now, and gathered in unity. Now, I just want to stop there and declare in the mighty name of Jesus. The unity that God wants in the church, in the bride, is a pure one, a pure unity. He does not mix with all this worldliness mess. So, pay attention to these big name preachers that are opening up their platforms to the millions. To these people that are polluted. This, it'll tell you a lot about who they are and who they've become and who they've partnered with. God does not mix. He does not mix. He does not want his bride polluted. The word is the truth, bride. This is what we stand on. The word of God says that he is coming back for a bride without spot and wrinkle, which means no pollution. So just as he says it right here in Ezra, they come together in unity without pollution. So pay attention to what's being polluted out there, I'm trying to tell you. Verse 2, Then stood up Joshua, or Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and his brethren the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of these countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. Well, that's one thing that definitely uh, needs to be restored to the church is the fear of God. Uh, the way that we have begun preaching uh, to where there's no accountability to sin and no fear of God is a very dangerous place. We need to fear God. Amen. They kept also the Feast of the Tabernacles as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom as the duty of every day required and afterward offered the continual burnt offering both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and every one that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, Lord, I pray for all of us today that you will speak to our hearts, Lord, about us giving a free will offering to you, Lord. What can we do as a free will to just give you our things? Because, Bribe, when you look at the way that God is about tithes, I know many people argue and say tithes is not of the Lord. But you got to look at this as bigger than the tithes, okay? What it is, in very simple terms, is that God wants the first of everything. 
This is why judgment comes. A lot of people don't understand, but judgment comes when people quit including God in everything. When you take God out of the schools, you take God out of the country, you take God out of the church, blah, 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 then, you know, it hurts him because he wants to be the first of everything. That's why these businesses that put God first, and they say, okay, God, we're going to take off on Sunday because we're going to give you one day a week, and we're going to honor it. And those businesses are so prosperous. You know, the devil tells them, you won't make any money if you, money if you shut down on Sunday. And look, they're one of the most popular. Okay, and then when they put God first, like I met a, a company in uh, Picayune, Mississippi, that put the little baby Jesus in cakes. And they was just their way of recognizing Jesus in their business. And bam, their business became so prosperous. Just because they remembered the Lord. And that's the way God wants to be in our life. It's the first of everything. Okay? And so when we do things, all those things are offerings. Lord, you know, what do you want? Nothing we have is ours. Our home is not ours. Our car is not ours. Our spouse is not ours. Our children is not ours. My time is not mine. My body is not mine. Everything that I have and everything that I am is yours. So the first fruit offering is the first part of whatever it is. Okay. So Lord, reveal to us today, if we have idols in our life, uh, things that are more important to us, whether it be a position we're in, the ministry we're in, the business we're in, the relationship that we're in, uh, our status, our power, our prestige, our elitism, whatever it is that's become an idol in our lives, Lord, reveal it to us so that we can give you the first fruits again and we can be in right standing with you. We want the Lord included in everything. That's what he wants. So, okay, from the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also to the masons and to the carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa. Now, <coughs> excuse me, notice that they put the best of everything into this temple. The cedars of Lebanon were known as some of the best wood ever. So they are giving God the best of what the earth has to offer. That's why for us as a church, we cannot, I understand that the prosperity gospel in certain ways is bad. Uh, when you say, all of you, like I've been at conferences where they say, all of you that come up here and give me $1,000 right now, I'll give you a word. To me, that is perverting the gospel. Or all of you that can give 10000 run up here now and you'll get a picture with the pastor. You know what I mean? Just perverting people for money. But the prosperity that God, I believe that God endorses, that God believes in, that God wants to happen in the bride, is that he wants us to have the best of everything. When God told me to go claim that radio station for the bride, guess what he told me in that dream, bride? He said, when I tell you this, you ask for it all. Don't be small-minded. Come up. I want the bride to have the best. 
And so that's what it is. He wants us to have the best cedars and the best this and the best that. Even that, I mean, as long as it doesn't go to our head and take us off course of what God wants type of deal. But that's how they did this temple. They gave God the best of everything and the best cedars. All right, so let's go back here. Uh, to the Sea of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, began Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests, and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. So, in other words, everything was done in decency and in order. Then stood Joshua with his sons and brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Hinnadab with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priest in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, the king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good and his mercy endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with them a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Isn't that beautiful? And as I'm reading this, I'm having a dream about the Lord gave me about the foundation of the house, which I believe was the White House. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. But basically, I walked in. Oh, I was looking, I think I was looking to buy a house or something, and the foundation uh, was, when I walked in, looked great, but then I looked over, and there's a little pit here and a little pit here, and then I kept walking, and then I walked into this room, and the whole floor was caved in. And I was like, oh, because I kept making excuses. No, this is okay. This is okay. I still want the house. I still want the house. But then when I went around and saw the whole floor was caved in, the demons were coming out of the walls. They were coming after me. And I was like, oh, no. And I ran out of that house. And I was like, no way. I am not having anything to do with the evil, you know. The evil that's been, the foundation has been shaken. And so I went back, when I went back to the White House, I prayed. Lord, whatever is happening here, I pray that the foundation, that the foundation will be set and that you remove the uh, corruption, remove the uh, bad influence or whatever is there that's bringing this uh, shaky foundation to, you know, get it out type of deal. Anyways, going back to this. So they were saying that the foundation was correct. Okay, so then stood Yeshua with his sons. Okay, I read that one. Okay, isn't it neat that while they were building the foundation, they began praising the Lord? Why do you think that is, Brian? Did you know that sound resonates in the walls? 
like being in this little cabin when I pray when I praise it resonates in the walls and it likes to me it strengthens the foundation because your your words is like a, a frequency okay so it's a frequency it's a living word because I'm agreeing with heaven I'm worshiping the God that created all things I am worshiping, worshiping the one and true living God. Now, you picture the same house if it was violence, anger, and, and all these frequencies of, of demonic things going in the walls. I believe it affects the house. I'm telling you. Because words have power. You know, like they say that you can, even the rocks will cry out. Like matter gathers the frequency. And so I believe it does affect, okay, think about it. When you take, when you take a plant and if a plant hears, you know, nice soothing music, it grows really pretty and it reacts to the sound, just like babies in the womb when they hear, you know, the good things and the praises and a very happy, happy mother, you know, the baby in there just grows and flourishes. But when it's anger, when it's wrath, when it's harsh sounding, when it's heavy metal, the plant shrivels up and dies. The baby ends up getting twisted and ends up having, you know, there's reactions, you know, and sometimes it brings sickness and all types of diseases because the baby is, you know, reacting to this violent atmosphere that's all around it. I believe the same thing with matter. Okay, so let's move on. That's why, by the way, Brad, let me say this. When you buy a house, when you buy a house, you pray over that house. And you pray all that mess out. All you demons that's been brought in here, everything has got to shift. Because God just moved in the house. Come on now. You know, the presence of God is now in this house. This house is protected. This house has angels all around it. This house is dedicated to the Lord. This house is given to the Lord. God is using this place because we know that where we're at is not ours. Everything given to us is on loan. That's all. My car that God gave me, that is on loan from God. The house he's going to give me is on loan from God. Everything that he gives you all is on loan. So we dedicate it to him like a temple. We give this car to you, Lord. Thank you that you're allowing me to drive this. Remember? The Lord gave me a brand new beautiful home that I was able to design when my children were in high school. A year later, he wanted it back for me to go to Bible college. I had to give up that brand new home that we built. He wanted me to go to Bible college and go up there. Everything that we have is not ours. It's all God's. But when we come into a building, it should shift. These spirits got to go. Everything's got to shift because the kingdom has arrived. See, we are the kingdom of God. And when we go somewhere, everything should move out of the way because the presence of God is here and the atmosphere, the atmosphere will shift. You know, and that's what the Lord, I feel God so thick right now. That's what the Lord told me about this woman that I'm taking care of right now. The Lord told me she is his queen. She is very precious to him and I am to handle her with great care 
You know, this is her house, her domain. She's lived here almost 40 years, you know, and this is where she wants to leave. She wants to leave in her husband's arms. They've been married 71 years, and when her time comes, she wants to go in this place and look, bride, what God has done. He uses me for this. I have been with many people that have transferred into glory, that have passed from this life to next. It's an anointing that God has given me. Like when my mom died, I knew right exactly when Jesus walked in the room to come take her. I knew it. Then she took her last breath. The Lord has anointed me, so God was letting me know, I brought you here. Stop time for this woman to come home to me. So everything in God's world, you know, is the kingdom. Everything is done when you're listening to God in decency and in order. And everything is done beautiful before him. All right, so let's continue. So let's go to, let's read verse 11. And they sang together by the chorus and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good. He is good. He is good. For his mercy endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid, which we know the foundation is the most important part. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard far off. Chapter 4. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Haddon, king of Asser, which brought us up here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Wow! Wow! Can I say, wow, that a preach? God sent you to do a mission. God sent you to do the foundation. And then what happened here? The other people wanted to come and the other people wanted to get involved, but they were not by God. They were polluted. Remember the last chapter? God hates pollution. He does not want his people mixing with the polluted. This is what I was trying to tell you about all this other mess that's going on out here. God is not in that period. So they let them people know, hit the road. No, God told us exactly how to do it, and we're going to honor God and do it this way. But the people got mad. People got jealous. And they stirred up strife against them. Now, how many knows that even happens in ministry? Yes, it does. People get jealous. 
They stir up strife. They stir up people against you. They talk about you. They spread lies about you. Blah, 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 blah. And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes wrote Bishalom and Mithria, Tabil and the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. Rahum, the chancellor, and Shem, Shah, the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes, the king and his sort. Then wrote Rahum, the chancellor, and Shimshay, the scribe, and the rest of their companions, and Denites, the Aphrasites, the Tarpalites, the Aphrasites, whatever, whatever, Babylonians, the Susanites, and the Debites, and the Elamites. We're on verse 10. And the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Asnapper brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are on this side of the river and of such time. This is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Artaxerxes, the king. Thy servants, the men on this side of the river, and at such a time be it known unto the king. Wow, we get to read the letter. Oh, this ought to be good. Okay, be known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are coming to Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof and joined the foundations. Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and if the walls set up again, then they will not pay toll, tribute, and custom. And so thou shalt endomage the revenue of the kings. Wow, does that not sound like people that come against us as ministers? They try to come against them on everything to try to tear them down. Now, because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore have we sent and certified the king. That search may be made in the book of the records by the fathers. So shall thou find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city and hurtful unto kings and provinces and that they have moved sedition within the same of old time for which cause was this city destroyed. We certify the king that if this city be builded again and the walls thereof set up by this means, thou shalt have no portion on this side the river. In other words, they're telling the king, if you allow them to build this temple, it is going to hurt your city and everything that you're attached to. Then sent the king an answer unto Rehum the chancellor and to Shimshai the scribe. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Shimshai the scribe and to the rest of their companions that dwelt in Samaria and unto the rest beyond the river peace and at such a time. Now, what is the scenario we're looking at? Okay, they're building this temple to God. They're bringing in the best. 
They're protecting the borders. They're keeping the pollution out. They're making sure that all of them are right before God and they do this with the right foundation and they do what's right before God. So the people that could not come in are now jealous and they went to the king and they're trashing this group. So now let's hear what the king says. <gasps> okay. The letter which you sent unto us has been plainly read before me. So he's saying, all right, people, I'm listening. And I commanded, and search has been made. Wow, so he did listen to them, and he checked out what they said. And it is found that this city of old time has made insurrection against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. Oh, no, he, he sided with them. Oh, no. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and told tribute and custom was paid unto them. So give ye now a commandment to cause these men to cease. Oh, no, they had to stop them the third temple. To cease. All right, where did I go? Where did I go? Okay. And that this city be not built until another commandment shall be given from me. Now take heed now that you fail not to do this, why should damage grow to the hurt of the kings? Now, when the copy of the king Azertus' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshah the scribe and their companions, they went up into haste to Jerusalem and to the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. So basically, they were rejected by the Jews. So then they got their revenge and got the king on their side. So they ran back over there and go, ha, 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 you got to stop building the temple because now I have the king on my side. Shame unto these people. Amen. All right, so let's continue here. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased into the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. All right, now we're going into chapter 5, our last chapter of the day. Let's, let's rehearse what we have just learned. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so they're building a temple unto God. They're protecting the borders. They're keeping the pollution out. They're protecting people from trying to come in that are polluted. They're protecting the integrity of the church. They're building this thing to the top echelons. They are giving the best of everything. The cedars from Lebanon, and, and they're building it, and they're rejoicing before the Lord, and they're praising the Lord, and, and they build a solid foundation, and they're, they're letting all this resonance from their beautiful singing and praising the Lord go into all the fibers of this building. So the enemy comes in. The enemy comes in, and he sends these people to get jealous. So they go back to the king. And they decreed to the king, if they build this temple, you're not going to get any money off of it, and it's just going to be useless. So the king's like, you know what? You're right. That's true. Go back and shut that temple down. So they go back over there, and they tell these people, shut it down. Ha, ha, ha. We got the king on our side. So then the people, can you imagine how those people felt? When those people have been in there just worshiping and praising and, and thanking God for giving them the best of everything. This would be like me with my radio station coming. This, this is what I'm envisioning. Is I have all this going and they're building this 
tall building that God gave me the vision of what it's going to look like. And, and then all these people get jealous and they come after me and, and they say, shut it all down. And, and then what do they do? Well, this is what we're about to find out. Bam! In your face, devil. Let's see what happens. The funny thing is, bride, the devil can do all the shenanigans he wants. Trying to trash you, tear you down, what not, what not, what not. But God is watching. And what did it say that his people did? They feared God. They protected the house. No pollution. No tainting the church here. We're keeping this holy and consecrated before the Lord. So let's find out what happens. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. All right, this is our last chapter, Ezra chapter 5. Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Ido, prophesied unto the Jews. Oh, so now the prophets have been activated. What are they going to say? They were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Oh, I got to move this. I'm getting excited. I got to move around a little bit. Let me fix this little table. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. What? Oh, no, they didn't go against the king. They didn't go against him. What? No way. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltel, and Joshua, the son of Josedach, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. <laughs> Woo! Yes! So, what did God just do? He's like, all right, you got the king over here saying, shut it all down. They're not going to give us money. God says, this is God on high overriding the government bam in your face devil so god says all right you prophets you go over there and you tell them you continue building that temple in spite of what the government says bam let's find out what happens bride are you ready are you ready okay so at the same time came to them well, first, all right, let me pause. Boy, this just came in my spirit. Come on now. When God tells you to do something, when you come under opposition and people do not understand your assignment and they try to send all these people and try to trash you everywhere trying to stop it, what do we go by, bride? The word of the Lord. Come on now. We go by the word of the Lord. Not by what we see. We go by the word. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so. At the same time came to them Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shaturbozna and their companions, and said this unto them. Uh-oh, uh-oh. What are they going to say? Who has commanded you to build? this house and make up this wall who how dare them tell you to do this then said we unto them after this manner what are the names of the men that make this building 
but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned the answer by letter concerning this matter. So the copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shartabosnia, and his companions, the Aphrosachites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. They sent a letter unto him, wherein was written unto this, Unto Darius the king, all peace. Uh-oh, here we go, bride, here we go. Be it known unto the king that we went into the providence of Judea, to the house of the great God, which is builded by great stones and timber is laid in the walls. And this work goes fast on and prospers in their hands. <laughs> yes, Lord. Then asked we those elders and said unto them thus, Who commanded you to build this house and to make up these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. And thus they returned us an answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven. <laughs> yes, Lord, come on now. Yes, that's what we say to that old devil. We are the servants of the Most High God, and we will obey him no matter what. Woo, bam in your face, devil. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> All right, so... All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth and build the house that was builded these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven under wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. So basically, they're given the whole history of the temple. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and of silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them unto the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And said unto him, Take these vessels, go, carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came the same Sheshbazar, and laid the foundation of the house of God which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even unto now, has it been in building, and yet it is not finished. So he's letting him know this all has happened up till now. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let there be search, let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so, so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem. And let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. So basically, there, it looks like they're asking him to reconsider his decision. What do you think, Brad? But I, do y'all want me to stop or keep going? Because I want to keep going. Let me see how much Ezra is. Ezra goes 10 chapters. Uh, 
I guess I could finish it Monday, but boy, I am on fire. What do y'all think? Do y'all want me to keep going? Or do you just want to come back Friday? I can't say. I can't personally know you, but just how you... Something, something. I can understand. Okay, well, I'm going to read at least this chapter because I can't stop. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Then Darius the king made a decree and search was made in the house of the rolls where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Achimetha in the place, in the palace that is in the province of Medes, a roll. And therein was a record thus written. In the first year of Cyrus, the king, the same Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid. The house, the height thereof three score cubits, and the breadth thereof three four score cubits, with three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house. Whoa! And also, let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem and brought unto Babylon, be restored. And brought again into the temple, which is at Jerusalem. Come on now. I, I decree that over all of us. Amen. Restore unto us, Lord. We are the, the current temple of the day. We are. Restore unto this temple in Jesus' name. Be restored and brought again into the temple, which is at Jerusalem. Every one to his place. And place them in the house of God. All. Now therefore, Tataniah, governor beyond the river... Shestor Beneza <laughs> and your companions, <clears throat> the Aphrosachites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. Yes, Lord. Moreover, I make a decree. What you shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, that of the king's goods, even unto the tribute beyond the river, for with expenses be given unto these men that they be not hindered. Oh, bam! Give them everything they need to build this temple, and the government is going to pay for it. Yes, Lord. All right. And they which they have need of, and that which they have need of, both young bullocks and rams, and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, Wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the appointment of the priests which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them this day without fail. This is coming to my spirit right now. And I decree and declare that that radio station will be the same way. In Jesus' name, everything will be provided for. In Jesus' name, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto God the heaven. All. So in other words, God's saying, God is saying, okay, we want this temple and we want it to be done for my purpose. I want them, I want to smell the sweet savor. Okay, let me back up, bride. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did we learn a few chapters back? God hates pollution. Did you know that sin has a smell to God? It is a stench in his nostrils. That's why you'll hear me when I do a lot of my posts. I say, that's a sin in God's nose. That's a stench in his nostrils. That just stinks before his nose. No, no, no. 
prayers of the saints of the righteous is a beautiful sweet scent unto his nose so that's what he's saying right here he wants this temple to give him sweet beautiful incense of the prayers of the saints in that beautiful bride isn't that beautiful okay that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and for his sons. Oh, he wanted them to build the temple to pray for the king. Isn't that beautiful? Also, I have made decree that whosoever shall alter this word, let timber be pulled down from his house. Oh, mm. and being set up, let him be hanged thereon. Wow. Ooh, that is freaky. In other words, if you mess with my temple, I am going to pull a piece of cedar off of yours and I'm going to hang you on it. Oh, Lord. And let his house be made a dunghill for this. Wow. And the God that has caused his name to dwell there destroy all kings and people that shall put to their hand to the altar and destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree and let it be done with speed. Then Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, Shithar Bosnia, and their companions, according to that which Darius the king had sent, so they did speedily. And the elders of the Jews built it, and they prospered. Through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxas the king of Persia. So, in other words, this uh, building prospered when the prophets were accepted in the house. Did you catch on to that? Let me say it again. When the prophets were accepted into the house of God, they the building of it prospered. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which is in the seventh, the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. Aww. And offered at the dedication of the house of God a hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve he goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Now, let's back up a little bit. Remember when I told you, Bride, when we have studied the Bible from Genesis to here, and we study the way that God does sin, you understand. There is levels of sin to God. There's different ways that God had them sacrifice different animals uh, for the different types of sin. They had to handle it through different types of ways that they would drain it and everything. There is a price of sin. There is a consequence of sin. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses for the service of God which is at Jerusalem, and as it is written in the book of Moses. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the fourteenth day of the first month. For the priests and the Levites were purified together 
all of them were pure. Can I say it again? No mixing. None. It still applies today, Brad. It's still, I don't care who it is. King, priest, president, musician, whoever. God does not mix. He's coming back after a bride that is pure without spot and wrinkle. For the priest and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity and for all the brethren, the priest, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, and all as such had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land. Say it again. <laughs> Separating themselves to remain pure from the filthiness of the people of the land. They kept themselves unpolluted. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Confirming what I have been trying to tell the bride about all this fake Jesus that's going on out here. God is not a part of that pollution, bride. He's not. Come out from Monday. Don't believe the hype. This is all uh, propaganda, okay? It's because the one world religion is already in place. You've got to not do all that separate yourselves the word of god is pure holy and true he does not mix he does not do all that bride okay all right so and the children of israel which were come out of captivity have we all been saved set free and delivered yes lord and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to seek the Lord God of Israel, okay, did eat and kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days for joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Now, let me tell you this real quick we're almost finished for today well that is i will do uh chapter seven on monday when we come when we come back together uh what was i gonna say okay joy here's the difference between joy and happiness okay joy is beyond circumstances joy is not a feeling Joy is uh, from the belly, you know, it's very deep. It's a, uh, you can have joy in your suffering. And let me give you a good example. Remember I told you this woman I'm taking care of here? She's 91, about to be 92. She is laying there suffering because her days are coming to an end. She's getting ready to meet the Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. She lays there, I love you, Lord. Help me, Lord. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. She, in her suffering, 
is still full of joy. That is the true joy. Happiness is a feeling. It's a fleeting thing. Happiness is like when something good happens, you're like, oh, I'm so happy, you know, but you may be depressed that night or you may, you know, be feeling sad that night. Happiness is a feeling. It comes and goes. Joy is an everlasting, beyond circumstances, beyond your suffering, joy. You can be like when I read... Uh, What's her name that was in the camps uh, with Hitler? She was in the camps. I can't think of her name right now. But she would be in those prison camps and there would be lice everywhere and people really suffering, starving, torture, and all this. Joy in the midst of the suffering. It's a joy because of your relationship with God. It's a joy knowing that one day you will not suffer. It's a joy knowing that one day you will not cry again. One day we have the joy of knowing that we're coming over to the other side one day. It's a hope. We have hope. Hope sustains us, see. And so, Bride, I'm finished today with my first Bible study. I'm glad to be back. I love, I love, 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 love doing these Bible studies because I am learning with you, Brad. So when we read today in Ezra and we saw again how God feels about being tainted and remaining pure and keeping yourself separated and all that kind of stuff, it just lets you know how, how God is because when you protect yourself and you protect your domain, you know, like your home and and yourself and you keep yourself in God's right eyes he is watching baby he's watching and when others come against you and when they do things God is like activated you know like God is moving on your behalf just keep yourself right before him when he when he tells you to do something move when he tells you to do something don't hesitate go when he tells you to do something, don't rationalize in your head because the old enemy will come in and you'll just start rationalizing and start justifying and start reasoning yourself right out of the obedience. Don't do that. Trust in the Lord when God tells you to do something and, and obey him and go and just follow after the voice of God just like the children of Israel did and let everything else fall where it mays. God is faithful. God is just. All he asks of us is keep yourself pure. Keep yourself separated unto me. Put me first. Remember, we studied this in Ezra today. Keep me first. I want to be the first of everything. When you get it, when I give you a house, dedicate it unto me and give me the house. I want to be a part of that. When I put you in a relationship with somebody, don't push me out of it. Bring me into it. I want to be a part of that. When I elevate you into a position and I give you a promotion, don't push me out. Bring me in. I want to be a part of it. When I give you a business and I bless you with a business, I want to be a part of that. Include me in it. Don't be ashamed of me. Put me first. You know, I'm jealous for you. This is God talking. I am jealous for you. I want you to myself. 
And I want to know that when I bless you with this, if you hold on to that too tight and you don't let it go, you love that more than you love me. You've got to let that go and trust that I am over there. I am going to be there to help you to maintain the destination that I told you to go to. Trust that who do you love more, me or that thing? Who do you love more, me or that person? You got to trust in me and, and allow me to prop you up. When they come after the children of Israel and said, do not build that temple because you will not give the money to the king. <laughs> Honey, after the children of Israel had been in the temple worshiping God and praising him for the foundation and they're giving him the best of everything and God is all excited up there because they got this temple going and he found out that they're worried about money. They're over here going to stop the building of this temple because they're over here worried about money. Please, God sent his prophets. When God sends prophets to lay the word of the Lord, you better act or else. Because God told them, you listen here. Don't you stop building. You keep going. You And then what did God do? Bam! He moved on the government. You keep going. You obey. You don't go by what others do or what others say. Hey, that's a rhyme. You keep going and you trust the Lord because he is jealous for you. He wants to be the first of everything. He wants to be included in everything. That's why our country is in the shape it's in right now. The country which God loves. And God made a covenant with her just like he did Israel. When our country took him out, when our country removed him, when our country put in other idols and put in other religions and did all these things and just pushed God completely out, he removes his hand of protection and he allows them to smell their own stench. Remember, Bride, I told you, Bride, I think it was last year, I told you, I said, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe we're seeing this terrible sin of men exposing their crotch in front of children at libraries and they're not being arrested how crazy is this but why because the the hand of god the protection of god has been removed and we are now seeing and we're now smelling the stench of the of the sin that god has to put up with all the time up there the only way to save this country is for the president himself to call a fast to this country, for the church, the country to turn around and repent. And by the way, it's not just a saying. It is a turning. We turn around. When you look at uh, Jonah, when God told Jonah to go tell this city is going to be destroyed, and then they turned around, okay? That's what it's going to take is a turning of the nation, Okay? So, anyways, I want to encourage you today, bride, to trust in the Lord and to tell you one more time that the Lord has called me up here. I can't tell you what state, but I can tell you the situation that I'm in so that it doesn't open up the door to the enemy to accuse me of crazy things. The Lord called me up here to write, to get away uh, from all of the noise and to write and to have privacy with him and to help this woman transition into glory, okay? 
She is with her husband. They're both in their 90s. They've been married 71 years, and her time is coming to a close. And God has called me here to help the whole family to transition. It's a beautiful thing what God is doing up here. So if you would please pray for me and this family uh, that all things will be done beautifully with the Lord and that God would give me the strength to do what I need to do to write and to hear from God and to get everything transitioned because my life is in transition just like they're in transition. And the next phase that God has me do when I leave here, when this mission here is finished, remember I live by missions. I finished the mission in Washington. God moves me here for a mission. My mission here is to write, help him get his book published, to tell his story to his family, and to help them transition into glory. When this happens, then my mission will be done over here. Okay? When I don't know exactly what this mission is, but I'm praying that God will give me a house so I can get all my furniture in there, get settled down by my children, and then just travel and do whatever God tells me to do. I am hoping that I will be able to have uh, a television studio where I can do all this on a more, you know, professional atmosphere type of deal. And to be able to report the news after I have written these books and we now have a foundation we can work with from this point forward. It's better for you for me to put it in writing what I see and what I know about what's happening with end time events so that we can go from there and prepare for our position in the future. What are we going to do from here to close the book? We're the last American bride. So what are we going to do from here to finish our mission? All right. So I love you, bride, and I pray that you have enjoyed this uh, Bible study. And I will talk to you later. God bless you. And hey, how do you like my this little uh, fireplace here? Isn't it beautiful? This is what I have here. It's really pretty. It's a wood little fireplace. All right, Brad, God bless.